Last week we looked at delighting in God. Psalms 37.4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So are you enjoying God? Are you delighting in God? Are you getting the desires of your heart? The first one is if you are enjoying God or if you're delighting in God, that's either a yes or that's a no. Some of you either are or some of you aren't. The second one, are you getting the desires of your heart? Some of you would say, well, no, I'm not. I think the reality is that yes, you are. Where I think we're all getting the desires of our hearts. The problem is, is what are those desires and what are the things that motivate and delight our hearts? Because the problem is sometimes getting the desires of your heart is the worst thing that could happen to you. In Romans chapter 1, when God describes and Paul writes why man is fallen... When man rebelled against God and when they were separated from God, God did this. The Bible says in Romans 1.24, in NIV, God gave them over to their sinful desires of their hearts. This is what God did. He gave them over to the sinful desires of the hearts. So in the reality, we are all getting the desires of our hearts. Sometimes, though, getting the desires of your heart is the worst thing that could happen to you. And you may be getting the desires of your heart, and it can be the worst thing happening to you because God's given you over to those desires and you're not delighting in God. Delighting in God is worship. That's what that means. Delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight is worship because what we're delighting in is God. What we want is God. We were made to worship and that's not just singing. Our whole lives are to be worship. All of our life is worship. We're either delighting in God and getting our desires that God wants us to have, or we're delighting in ourselves and getting the desires that we want that will ultimately separate us from God. But God wants us to delight in Him. He wants us to enjoy Him. What delight are you settling for? Delighting in the Lord or delighting in idols that you've established for yourself? We have a flagpole out here, and it's got the American flag flying on it. And what if you'd have come into church this morning and instead of the American flag on there, there was the flag of Turkey waving over the top of it. I'm pretty sure somebody would come in and have told me about that. I'm pretty sure somebody said, that's not the American flag. And I said, well, you know, we'll, we'll change it. So we went out there and I changed it. And the next week you come back in and instead of the American flag up there, it's the flag of Nigeria. Um, Del Hilzebeck is a former Marine. He's going to be pretty ticked off by now if every time he comes to church, the place that the flagpole of the United States is supposed to be planted in is not there. And well, then he comes back the next week. I said, Del, calm down. You know, so Del said, we've got to do some stealth about this. So we are, every week we keep coming to church here, and the flag is different from a different country. And so finally we decided to get a posse of guys out here. We're going to sleep outside the church, and we're trying to figure out who exactly is changing the flag, because the flag has been planted for America right there. It's not supposed to be changed. And so we're out here trying to figure out who's doing this, and so we're all watching this. And all of a sudden, we all got our flashlights, 
trying to figure out who's going to do this. Slowly, throughout the night, one by one, I go up there and lower the American flag and put another country's flag up there. And then Jeff Dold walks up there and puts another flag up there. And even Dell himself crawls out there and puts a flag on the flagpole. We may leave the American flag at the bottom, but we keep putting all these other flags up there. That is idolatry. That is setting up other idols in place of what's supposed to be there. What's supposed to be on the flag outside our church, on the flagpole outside of our church, is the flag of the United States of America. This land has been claimed for that. And any time we were to lower that flag and put another flag in its place is, would be wrong. We'd be very upset about that. But if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, in our own lives, we do this on a regular basis. Our lives should have been and are supposed to be claimed for Jesus Christ. The only flag that should wave on our spiritual flagpole is Jesus Christ. But all of us continually seem to put other flags up, and we lower the flag of Christ. And when we do that, that is idolatry, and we are setting up other idols and things that are not supposed to be delighted in. At the end of 1 John chapter 5, at the end of this whole letter where Paul, where John wrote to the church, and he's telling them, this is the way to know that you have faith. This is how you know. This is written to Christians so they can know that they are in the faith. The last thing he says to them in 1 John 5, 21 is, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Doesn't that seem very odd to you? After writing this whole letter to Christians to help them know how they are in the faith and how they know that they are followers of God, the last thing he just tosses out there is, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Quit replacing on your flagpole of faith other things beyond, above Jesus Christ. Why would he say that to us? Because we constantly do it in our lives. We are constantly putting up other things in the place of where Jesus Christ should be. Instead of saying, you know, my life is marked out completely for Jesus Christ, we will start setting other things in that place. And when we do that, that's idolatry. That's setting up other idols. And our hearts do this on a regular basis. It's a famous quote that said, your heart is an idol-making factory. That there are constantly other things coming up in our lives that call us, that we want to delight in instead of ultimately delighting in God. It's idolatry. It's wrong. We were made to delight in God. And Satan cannot stop us from delighting. He can't. We were made, we will find something to delight in. We were made to delight in God. Satan can't stop us from delighting, but he can counterfeit the God that we delight in. And that's what he's trying to do. And every time in your life, when you lower the flag of Jesus Christ and put something else in its place, you are worshiping that thing above Christ. That's idolatry. And the Bible says, keep yourselves from idols. The biggest conflict all through the Bible is this battle over idolatry. It's all 
through the Bible. The first commandment was put no other gods before me. It's all about idolatry. Will you leave Jesus Christ at the flagpole of your life and raise him high? Or will you keep lowering him with other things and finding other things to delight in? What is an idol? What's an idol? You say, you know, that, we don't really have idols today, Paul. I, I don't, I'm, out, I'm not out there putting flags up over my house. What is an idol? In the Bible, clearly there was idols made of hands. That's what that passage in Isaiah was talking about. Where they'd cut down trees, and they'd carve them out, and they'd make them eyes, and they'd make them ears, and then they would bow down to them. In the Old Testament, uh, no, um, the people were around Mount Sinai, and Moses is up there, and they think God's left them. They say, give us all your gold. So they give them all their gold. They throw it into the fire, and out comes this golden calf, supposedly, that they formed, and they bowed down and worshiped that. We don't do that, do we? We don't set up these graven images in our lives, but we may not do it that way. But there are idols of our heart that we struggle with continually. An idol is this. An idol is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. It's anything more important to you than God. Idols are imposters. They're God imposters. They're things that we will say, it could be a person, it could be a thing, it could be an abstract thing, but it's anything that we say, this is more important than God. This is where I get my ultimate satisfaction. This is really where I get my delight in life. This is really where I feel like I am somebody or I actually have something. That's an idol. And God says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And if you're finding your desire in anything else than Jesus Christ, you have idols in your life and you are lowering the flag, especially as a believer. And you're putting other things up and God is constantly fighting against us and telling us idolatry is wrong. We must get rid of these idols. But here's the thing. Idols can often be good things. They can often be very good things, which makes them very difficult to deal with. These are the things that we, we really cherish. They're, they're, they're good. We find our delight in them. They, we, we find our place and our purpose. Our culture's got all kinds of idols, don't they? they there's the, the money idol. Our culture, we live in an unbelievably consumer culture. We are just soaked in it. Bernie Madoff is this picture of the money idol. People were just dumping money to this guy, looking at their reports, thinking, man, this guy's great. Somewhere deep inside their mind, they had to think, wow, something's not quite right here. This guy's always getting it right. But they were so consumed with their idol of money that they just let it go. Sex is a huge idol in our culture. It's trying to find your ultimate pleasure, your ultimate delight. That's why if you go to any newspaper stand or any, they don't have newspaper stands, but you go to Walmart and you go through the aisles and there's all the magazines there. Just go today and, and just read them while you're standing there. Most of them will have something to do with sex and how to make sex better, how to make it more enjoyable, how to have more delight in it, how to, to increase your pleasure. That's the, every magazine that comes out has something to do with it. Why is that? Because our culture has made an idol out of sex. And they've got to find their ultimate satisfaction, our ultimate pleasure in sex. So it's everywhere we look. It's constantly at us in power. 
as another huge idol of our culture. I mean, there's just this huge debate, this huge desire for people to be in control, to be in power. Those are cultural idols that we all deal with, but there's also just personal idols that are good things. Our children, your children can be an idol and often are in an idol. Somebody said this about children in middle-class America. Is there essentially any difference between middle-class people idolizing their children as they do in America and heathen venerating their ancestors? Is there really any difference? No. Our culture is so absorbed with making your children your idol. Do everything for your kids. That's why I have these crazy shows about these parents spending thousands and thousands of dollars just to drive around, make sure their child has everything they want. Their people's lives are dominated by their children in our culture. It's just the way it is. And we think, even as Christians, that's a good thing, Paul. My kids should tell me where I go to church and what I do and how much money I spend and where I travel. We have idolized our kids in America. We think it's right and we think it's good because the problem is the way you know it's an idol so that it's deep in your heart. There's something deeper than that. Your kids are good, but there's something deeper in that. There are idols of our heart. Ezekiel 14.3 says, The son of man, these men have taken their idols into their hearts. So we don't walk around today with all these statues and all these great uh, um, graven images in our homes. Our idols are deeper in our hearts. And the reason that our kids or our stuff or our things becomes idols is because there's a deeper idol deeper down. We want this idol of status or an idol of respectability or an idol of control or an idol of approval or an idol of comfort or an idol of power. Somebody said this, as soon as your loyalty to anything leads us to disobey God, we are in danger of making it an idol. Anything, anything can become an idol. Anything that you place before God, even the greatest and the good in your life, can become an idol. But why are idols so dangerous? Why does the Bible talk so much about idolatry? Why, is, why would the last thing that John says to these believers, keep yourselves from idols? What is it about them that is so dangerous? What's dangerous about them is that they are totally nothing. Idols are absolutely nothing. Galatians and Corinthians, it says, Therefore, as to eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one. The danger of idols is that they're non-existent. There is no other God but the one true God. But So we try to make all these other things God. They don't exist. That's the problem with them. Idols are non-existent realities. But our problem with our hearts Our hearts are so sinful and so sinfully powerful that we can have things that aren't real, so become a have a reality creating power that turns truth into a lie. Idols don't exist; they're not God. They never will be God. There is no God but God. They are totally nothing. But people are spending their lives completely for them. That's dangerous. 
because that means they are total takers. The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. He'll give you the peace that you want. He'll give you the ultimate satisfaction that you want. He will give you everything that you were made for. Ultimately, to know him and to love him and to serve him with all your heart, soul, and mind. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. But we make idols out of things that are totally nothing. We make gods out of things that are totally nothing, looking for them to give us something. And idols can't do that. They can't give us anything. So they are just total takers. That's what your idols are. That's what my idols are in my life. They can't hear. They can't speak. They can't give. And so they just take. As we set up something that is nothing and say, I'm going to find my satisfaction in this. I'm going to find my satisfaction and my purpose in life in this, in money, in my wife, in my boyfriend, in my girlfriend, in my car, in my need to have friends, in my need to be accepted. I'm going to accept, I'm going to put everything in that. And that's where I'm going to get my purpose. That's where I'm going to get my satisfaction. That's where I'm going to get my peace. And so we bow down constantly to that. We bow down to this and say, this is what makes me me, see? And the idol keeps saying, it's not enough. And I still don't feel peace yet. I still don't feel satisfaction, so I'm going to have to buy another car. And this time, now I'm going to have that peace I want. And it's not enough. And so the idol says, it's not enough. You've got to give me more. So I'm going to buy a bigger car and more cars and more cars if my idol's is cars. But it's never enough. I never feel satisfied. And I never feel peace. And it's with whatever idol it is. If you try to make your kids your idol and you put them up as your idol and you say, I'm going to pour my life into my kids because then they're going to make me me. They're going to do so well. I'm going to be so celebrated as a parent and I will bow before my great kids and give them everything they want. And then they become juniors or seniors or in college and they don't choose to go to the college that you want them to go to. Or they don't choose the career that you want them to go to. Or they don't come back and visit you like you thought they were supposed to. And now your idol of your kids is just taking from you. It will never give you the satisfaction that you want. Idols are unbelievably dangerous because they're absolutely nothing. And they are total takers. And sometimes it's not just what they, we see that they take. It's what we don't see that's so dangerous about them. If you made an idol out of your computer or out of your friendships or whatever else it is, and you spend your life trying to find your satisfaction in that as a parent, you don't realize that all that time spent worshiping that, you've got kids that missed out with time with you. You have a spouse, you have a community that missed out time with you. The unseen effects of idol worship is devastating. And it will constantly be pulling us back. Idols are extremely dangerous because idol worship is actually worshiping death instead of worshiping the living God. We think that if we worship this thing or this feeling or this person, then I'll find what I want, which is life and satisfaction and peace. And when you make anything but God that, you're making death 
what you're looking for because that thing can't give it to you. So ultimately, what you're worshiping is death, not life. And Jesus says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. He will give you life, satisfaction, and joy. And anything else that you place above God and you worship that and you put all your effort into that above Jesus Christ is death. It's not going to give you the life that you want. Only God can do that. Idols are dangerous because they are totally nothing and they're just complete takers. They take and they take and they take and they take. And you never get anything from them. How do you recognize idols in your life? There's been a lot of good stuff written about this. There's just a bunch of questions I'm going to give you. How do you recognize if you have lowered Jesus Christ in your life and start putting other things before him that are the things that are really your functional God, the things that you're really trying to find your peace at? Part of understanding idolatry is knowledge. If you don't know that you're having to struggle, you're not going to be able to overcome it. So part of dealing with idolatry and dealing with the idols in our lives is the knowledge that they're there. If you don't know they're there, we are in trouble. But part of it is knowing what flags are raised and where those flags are raised in our life. So ask yourself this. What do you enjoy dreaming about? What occupies your mind when you have nothing else to think about? What do you habitually think about to get joy? Where do you spend your money? So look at your checkbook, your extra cash, your spending money. That'll be a good idea of where your idols might be. What is your functional salvation? You say, I, I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. I, I, I'm trusting Jesus with my life. But the thing where I really find my peace and the really thing where I find my satisfaction is in my dog. Your dog's an idol. You get more joy out of your dog and your pets, which can become idols, than Jesus. Then your functional savior is a dog. What, where is your, what is your functional salvation? What are you really living for? Look at your emotions. What makes you angry? What, what, what's your greatest fear? If you were to lose this thing, your life would have no meaning. What's your greatest frustration? What's your greatest despair and your greatest guilt? What are those things that if they were taken from your life, you would feel like life has no meaning whatsoever? You say, man, if I lost my child, then your child is an idol. You say, if I lost my job, then your job is an idol. If I blew my knee out and I couldn't play football or I couldn't play basketball, then your sports are an idol. If my girlfriend broke up with me or my boyfriend dumped me, life would have no meaning. And that person has become an idol. What makes you happy? What would make you acceptable? If you could just have that sense of acceptance that you want, whatever that is, If it's not Jesus, it's an idol. What do you look for for power or success? 
Those are all questions we need to ask ourselves. And as is Jesus the center of my life? Is he at the top of the flagpole? Because all these other things, they're not bad, but they can't be above Jesus Christ. And if any of those things are above him, they're idols. And you're worshiping death, not life. Jesus says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And once you start recognizing idols, and we all have them, all of us have them every day, our hearts are idol-making machines that they want to say, no, Jesus really isn't who he says he is. He isn't really ultimately satisfying. This is more satisfying. Every day we have to deal with idols. They're constantly being coming up, and we think we can knock one down, and we, there's another one comes up. So we never ultimately in this life will ever be able to just completely remove idols but we have to be completely replacing idols. We have to have a posse around our heart's flag for Jesus Christ and watching it. And anytime somebody comes to put up another flag, or we put up another flag, we have to say, no, go get it now. Go take it down. Go chase after it. Or Jesus Christ will continually get lowered, lower and lower. And our faith will get weaker and weaker. How do we replace idols? first thing we need to do is we need to repent. We have to acknowledge that we all deal with idols. We have to recognize that we have this desire to worship that God gave us, and we try to fulfill that desire with something else rather than God, rather than Jesus Christ. We need to repent of this. Sometimes we think that repentance is a bad thing or something that you just do once. Repentance is a good thing. If you can recognize and see your idols, that's a great thing. If you can start saying, Mom, my heart is really drifting. Wow, I am so desperate for friends that I'll do anything to have people around me. There's something wrong with that because I find my ultimate satisfaction in my friends. Well, your idol might be you just have this driving need for acceptance and you need to repent to the fact that you're not going to find your satisfaction and acceptance in people, but the only way we find our ultimate acceptance is in Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ has done for us. If not... You'll be driven by this desire for acceptance and for people and for friends. And you'll go from friend to friend to friend to friend to friend, trying to, somebody, give me what I want. And nobody will be able to give you ultimately what you want. Because you can't find your ultimate satisfaction in people. So we need to repent. We need to recognize and repent and say, this is not the direction that I want to be going. Then we need to rejoice in faith. See, if you just recognize your idols, someone said, we have to be very careful. Sometimes you can make us feel really bad, Paul, about this. So I'm thinking, oh, I really like my kids. I like my car. I like my job. I like my sports. And they are above God. So we just start feeling guilty about that. That's like recognizing it and taking your guilt to Mount Sinai where the law was. Instead of recognizing the idols in our life and taking them to Mount Calvary, where they were paid for and they were dealt with. So if all you do is recognize that you're not where you're supposed to be spiritually and that you have other things above Jesus in your life, if that's all you do, you will walk around feeling really bad, really guilty, and have a lot of self-pity. And that's just it. That's Mount Sinai. But the good news of the gospel is 
There's a Mount Calvary where Jesus went and he took all of our idols, all of our sin, and he went to the cross and he died for them and he killed them. And he says, you don't have to keep serving these idols. I crush them. We need to go in faith, repent and rejoice. Continually repent when you wake up tomorrow and you're driving to work and you see somebody who's got a great car and you think, wow, if I really had that car, whew, I would be somebody. Or you drive past or you walk into the office and you see somebody who just got a promotion and you think, man, if I had that position in this company, I would be somebody. And you recognize, wait a second, that's an idol. That's not going to give me ultimate satisfaction. Then repent of it. And rejoice by faith that God can give you what you need through Jesus Christ. This is what happened to the prodigal son. Remember, he had this huge idol of money and cash and power. He wanted it all. He said, Dad, give me everything I got. Give me everything you got. I'll take everything you got. And so he took his money and he lived out his idols. He served his idols. He served acceptance. And he had all these friends. He served wild living. And he, he served pleasure. And he lived it up. And he loved living it up. And he was serving the idols in his life. Until the money ran out. And the friends ran out. And he lost everything. Remember? And the idols that he thought was going to give him ultimate satisfaction and ultimate peace, they left him with nothing. But the beauty of the prodigal son story was that God was able to wake him up. He was in the pigsty. And he was sitting there eating the pig slop. And he could have thought, this is good. At least I have food now. I have something. And he could have stayed there and made an idol out of pig slop. But God woke him up to his realization, that you know what, there is something better. If I go back home, dad's there, and maybe dad will accept me. He didn't fully know it, but we know looking back, that the father was waiting. And when he went back to the father, and he repented, and he by faith asked, the father embraced him, and he gave him everything that his heart desired. And he was able to delight in the wealth of the Father. That's what God calls us to. You want to get rid of idols? Then repent and rejoice by faith. Keep repenting and keep rejoicing by faith. Keep repenting and keep rejoicing by faith. Recognize them, repent of them, fight against them and say, I want Jesus to be the ultimate satisfaction of my life. I want to delight in you, God, above everything else. I know what you did for me. I realize that I don't deserve this, that I'm a rebel, rebel against you, but you died on the cross for me. You took all my guilt, all my shame. I don't deserve any satisfaction. But because of Jesus, you give me the desires of my heart, and I can delight. It's the promises of God. This is the good news the gospel, the only thing that will get the idols out of your life is it being replaced by the power of the gospel. Remembering and seeing what Jesus did and seeing that being so satisfied in Jesus is greater than any money, any power, any acceptance, anything that we can get in this life. Jesus will take all those things, make them better, and give you the desires of your heart so that you can enjoy all those good things that he has given you. It's 
accepting and believing the promise of God, which says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And saying this, there is one God. There is no God but God. And there is no rest for any people who rely on any God but God. Let God be God. What's at the top of your flagpole? What are those things that are craving for your attention so much more than Jesus Christ? What is it that you are bowing down to on a regular basis and thinking that that's going to give you satisfaction, that's going to give you peace, that's going to give you what you want? If it's not Jesus Christ, it's an idol. And you're worshiping death and not life. Repent, accept the grace of God, enjoy Jesus, and let him help you delight in the Lord, and you will have the desires of your heart. Let's pray. I'm just going to ask you to be still, close your eyes and bow your head for a second. Just ask God. Let's take a short, quick inventory of your own life. What is it that you're ultimately delighting in right now? What is it you are... What's at the top and the center of your life where you're trying to find your ultimate satisfaction? Is it Jesus Christ? If not, I encourage you right now to begin repenting and by faith asking him to help you see that Jesus is greater than anything else and to give you the the joy of the Lord in your life. Maybe you've never made Jesus the center of your life. Maybe your whole life is filled with with things that aren't satisfying you. Jesus can satisfy your life if you would accept him. Turn from your sin and see Jesus, and he will give you the grace to accept him. You can do that right now as well. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the warning that you want to keep us from idols. God, I pray that you help us as individuals and as a church to recognize the idols in our lives, even the good things that become ultimate things. God, help us to see that and to repent of it and to keep putting you first and to fight against idols of our hearts. Give us the grace and the faith and the understanding to know how to do it and help us to glorify you above all. Thank you so much for how much you loved us when we were so unlovable. We ask you for your grace and strength. In Jesus' name I pray. Clear the stage and set the sound and the lights ablaze If that's the measure you must take to cross the idols Jerk the pews and all the decorations too Until the congregation's fueling half revival Tell your friends that this is where the party ends Until you're broken for your sins You can't be social And seek the Lord and wait for what He has in store And know that great is your reward So just be hopeful Cause you can sing all you want to Yes, you can Sing all you want to You can sing all you want to Still get it wrong Oh, worship is more than a song
that you've made And sit at home alone and wait for God to whisper I beg him please to open up his mouth and speak And pray for real upon your knees until they blister Shine the light on every corner of your life Until the pride and lust and lies are in the open Read the word and put to test the things you've heard Until your heart and soul are stirred and rocked and broken Cause you can sing all you want to Yes you can sing all you want to Is more than a song. We must not worship something that's not even worth it. You clear the stage, make some space for the one who deserves it. Anything I put before my God is an idol And anything I want with all my heart is an idol And anything I can't stop thinking of is an idol An idol Cause I can sing all I want to Yes I can Sing all I want to That's the measure you must take to crush the idol. 